the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts and lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility and love of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this Lord's Day, this Family and Friends Sunday at Boston University, this Parents' Weekend here, in the praise of God for our community here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray. Lord, we pray that your grace may always precede and follow us, that we may continually be given to good works through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, it is our practice, tradition, and custom to begin each Lord's Day in worship and to begin that worship with a moment of confession to recognize that we are frail and fallible and day by week by month are prone to speak and act in ways that, in unforeseen ways sometimes, that hurt and harm others. So in confession, in contrition, in lament, we pause to offer our individual words of prayer. As the choir guides us, may we bow in in silent prayer. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my little companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Join me in saying verses from Psalm 106 with the Antiphon. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty doings of the Lord or declare all his praise? Happy are those who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you deliver them that I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation 
that I may glory in your heritage. Both we and our ancestors have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. They made a calf at Horeb and worshipped a cast image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore he said he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Glory to you, O Lord. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets, and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But the king came to see the guests. When he did, he noticed a man who was not wearing a wedding robe, And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him out into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. In this season at Boston University, a time of coming and going, of sending and being sent, we are now and then accosted with some bone-jarring feelings. Now, our time right here this weekend is spent in part to welcome our parents, family, and friends to do so in a way that conveys our gratitude for what you are providing to us and your children. Where would we be without the parents of our undergraduates and graduate students? And to say also, and in some ways more so, this is a good place. There are some good people here. And this is a good time to be at this good place. And we mean that. And we try to our best to live it in all sincerity. sincerity. But there is a deeper reality present hour by hour just now in this season of comings and goings, of sending and being sent. And this is the reality of feeling, not sentiment, thought feeling, not emotion. And here and there, you sense it. And my goodness, you feel it. That is, for our parents and others, this is a time for the feeling of gratitude. Not, by the way, the gratitude of 
someone who's left home, one less bell to answer, one less egg to fry, one less teenager to pick up after. That's a generationally specific illustration, by the way. But rather, the gratitude of two decades and what has happened and birth and childhood and youth have given way to young adulthood and I am so grateful to be alive, to breathe, to feel this moment. It's uh, not just an emotion. It's a reality, a sense of gratitude. Likewise, there is the feeling of loss. Now, it's a strange thing, but loss is a first cousin, not a second, but a first cousin to gratitude. And loss is a neighbor, a next-door neighbor to gratitude. Not just the loss you feel, yes, when you send that tuition check and the bank account goes down or down farther, but the loss that you sense with the change in season, the movement as summer becomes autumn, and autumn soon winter, and seed time and harvest, and this is change, and real change is real hard. We know, Jan and I, having sent off three to college and driven six hours and driven home and thinking at least by the third the tears would have stopped after three hours and they do not. There's a sense of a feeling of, a thought feeling of loss. And also there is a sense of promise. How could you not be at the fountain of youth with 3,500 undergraduates and as many graduate students and a matriculation service a month ago with 3,500 voices and 7,000 eyes and 7,000 feet and hands, and it's like a great wave. It's a tidal wave of something coming, something in the future, unforeseen, unfinished. Our guests, parents, family, friends will not want to linger here long to acknowledge gratitude and loss and promise in this sense, but we'll mention it, that it was the combination of these three feelings that gave birth, was midwife to the birth of Boston University in 1839 through John Dempster and later in 1869 through Claflin and Rich and Sleeper and others. That is, they might have used religious language and more technologically Uh, theological, technically theological language, but they, they meant the same things. Not gratitude, they would have said, but they would have said prevenient grace, God's presence, love, and care for us well before we know it, as in baptism, infant baptism. Not so much loss, but spiritual itinerancy. We're all itinerant, whether we're traveling horseback preachers or simply living our lives. It's a journey beginning, middle, ending. Not so much promise, but the sense of singing freedom. For freedom Christ has set us free. Hear the gospel this day in these words of welcome, of invitation, and of warning, and of summons together in Matthew and the 22nd chapter. Do you hear that voice? Do you hear that Word of welcome. Beginning, we could say, with invitation. There's hardly anything more powerful in life than invitation. 
And your capacity to extend invitation week by week is one of the great joys of living in faith. Invitation is a coaxing, it's a luring, it's a drawing. It's St. Matthew, the evangelist's great single passion. Oh, Matthew will tell us about the Magi at birth, and he will tell us in the Beatitudes to introduce the Sermon on the Mount, and he will convey the miracles and works of Christ, and especially the parables, including today, leading to the Passion and Resurrection. But he ends with what? In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go make of all disciples, or better translated, as you go, make of all disciples. This is the joy of the living of faith, the capacity to invite at the first level, that first invitation. You know, many of us have already had seven helpings of religion. Our joy needs ought to be, will be offering the first meal. The table is spread. The board is spread. Here we are. Come, join, be, engage. At the first level. That's the joy of teaching knots to the scouts. It's no, not anywhere near as much fun to teach the bowline and the taut line hitch as it is to teach that tenderfoot the first square knot. Or the joy of teaching swimming isn't in perfecting the butterfly or the inverted breaststroke as much as it is in teaching that first prone float. Not a bad faith image. The water will hold you up. If you let it. We are a people, thanks to St. Matthew and others, who enjoy evangelism and stewardship, planting and fishing, and especially the capacity to invite. Come along. Sit with me. Come along. Sing with me. Come along. Engage in service with me. Here is a word of welcome, Matthew 22. A word of invitation. But the parable speaks not only of invitation, it speaks also of warning. This is a parable like most of the parables that carries a darker edge, a word of warning, especially here in St. Matthew. You know, if you compare this parable to the way it's written and given in Luke 14, Luke is very happy. Go out to the highways, byways, compel them to come in. It's a joyful parable. There's no harsh ending, no dark edge. Luke is happy. Matthew is angry. There's something here in Matthew's experience, maybe at the end of the first century, maybe with the reign of the emperor Domitian coming close, maybe with the threat, prospect, or actuality of the persecution of the church. Matthew has an edge to him, which means, and all the parables say this one way or another, There comes a time when it is too late, he warns. We know this in our lived experience. There comes a time in personal or social corporate life when it is too late. You may with jocularity and trivialization speak in a nuclear age about nuclear weaponry, but you don't want to do that for very long or forever. There's a warning here. There comes a time when it is too late. You may mistakenly warm yourself for a moment at the burning fire of ethnic nationalism, but you won't want to stay too long until you get singed and hurt and hurt others. 
there comes a time when it is too late. In personal life, in relational life, tick-tock, time flows. Time stays, I know. Time flies, we go. There comes a time, Matthew warns, when it is too late. And notice the ending to his parable. Luke doesn't have this. This poor bloke heard the invitation. He went to the wedding banquet. He showed up. He sat down. He received his meal. He did what was asked. But he wasn't wearing the right shirt. Out! You explain to me what that is. I have no idea, except that it's partly a word of warning, either moral or spiritual. And if it's a moral warning, it's a reminder that grace is free but not cheap. And if it's a spiritual warning, it's a reminder that those of us who have received the invitation ought to wear clothing that shows it. It's like the boy at Pasadena walking around a swimming pool and asking each one there on the poolside, are you a Christian? The first didn't answer. And the second one, are you a Christian? I'm not sure I understand the question. The third one, are you a a Christian? Well, I try to be sometimes. The fourth one, are you a Christian? And the man said, well, yes, but why do you want to know? And the boy said, well, I'm here to go swimming. I have a $5 bill in my pocket, and I'd really not like to get it wet. Would you hold it for me? I want somebody I can trust. Are you a Christian? Can people see and sense in the way we live? It's a warning. There comes a time when it is too late. The word of welcome includes invitation and warning, but also summons, and especially summons. There are moments when you receive a call, and you're not only invited or even warned, you're just warned, you're you're summoned. Like a chaplain serving in the armed forces, we have at least one here today, and the phone rings or the email comes and says, Chaplain, we're moving, and we need you. We need your presence. We need your voice. We need your external words of sermon and sacrament and absolution, you're summoned. Or the strange how in worship memories come, we received communion two weeks ago and I remembered an older fellow talking in the far north country about the bell ringing, calling him to elementary school and the summons and the summons and his mother dressing him in a full coat of winter clothing and putting pancakes warmed in his mittens to carry him to follow the ringing of the bell. And we might answer, say, the ringing of the bell and the singing of the song and the telling of the tale. There is in this invitation a summons. Rise, take up your pallet and walk. Come along in invitation and in warning and in summons. Since this is Parents and Family and Friends Weekend, we bring the sermon to a conclusion here with the voices of some of our students who speak to us in words of those who have come before us. In invitation, we might want to remember that is Albert Schweitzer for all the complexities and contradictions of his life. He who as a child was an organ prodigy, played across Europe later in his life, He who became in his 20s a great New Testament scholar, his work on apocalyptic is still very vibrant and fresh, but at age 29 read in the Paris Missionary Society Journal of Needs, medical needs in the center part of Africa, threw it all away, was summoned, was invited, and was warned, and took up medical study for six years and then 35 years of labor with the Powan and Benjabi tribes folk. Here is his voice given to us by Tom Batson.
as of old, by the lakeside. He came to those men who knew him not. He speaks to us the same word, follow me, and sets us to the task which he has to fulfill for our time. He commands, and to those who obey him, whether they be wise or simple, he will reveal himself in the toils, the conflicts, the sufferings which they shall pass through in his fellowship. And as an ineffable mystery, they shall learn in their own experience who he is. Word of welcome in the example of Schweitzer in invitation. Today we might, in this parable's rendering and interpretation, want to remember Jane Addams, who 140 years ago from Rockford, Illinois, took up the leadership and service of the poor in Chicago, the Windy City, known by, by that name for its politicians, not its weather, or so I am told. She who established over time Hull House in an age when female leadership was not exactly front and center. She who developed a feminist, feminine community, a setting of spiritual energy, yes, food and clothing, shelter and medicine, but also, and more so, the building of playgrounds, the establishment of theater troops, construction of a female labor union, and leadership and voice finally toward the end of her time all the way across the country. Jane Addams is the single most fruitful and effectual example we have of social service ministry in our history, and her life is a warning a warning to us. Denise Nicole Stone brings us the voice of Jane Addams. The blessings which we associate with a life of refinement and cultivation must be made universal if they are to be permanent. The good we secure for ourselves is precarious and uncertain, is floating in midair until it is secured for all of us and incorporated into our common life. So Jane Adams and a word of welcome in the key of warning. We might this day and in this space also and finally want to remember Howard Thurman, who was the dean of Marsh Chapel from 1953 to 1965. His a life of summons, both given and received, In his years of divinity study in Rochester, New York, he spent the summers substituting for a Baptist minister in North Carolina. And one evening, alone in the parsonage, he heard the phone ring, the hospital calling, and he answered. His voice comes to us uh, on the voice of our friend Nicholas Rodriguez. There is a patient here who is dying. He is asking for a minister. Are you a minister? In one kaleidoscopic moment, I was back again at an old crossroad. A decision of vocation was to be made here, and I felt again the ambivalence of my life and my calling. Finally, I answered, yes, I am a minister. Please hurry, she said, or you'll be too late. In a barely audible voice, the man said, Do you have something to say to a man who is dying? If you have it, please say it, and say it in a hurry. I bowed my head and closed my eyes. There were no words. I poured out the anguish of my desperation in one vast effort. 
I felt physically I was straining to reach God. At last, I whispered my amen. We opened our eyes simultaneously as he breathed. Thank you. I understand. He died with his hand in mine. Each and every day, each and every Sunday, we receive words of welcome. Today, eminently, preeminently, in the parable from St. Matthew the Evangelist. A word of welcome in invitation. Sursum corda, lift up your hearts. A word of welcome in warning. Sursum corda, lift up your hearts. A word of welcome in summons. Sursum corda, lift up your hearts. I'm going out to clean the pasture spring. I'll only stop to rake the leaves away and wait to watch the water clear I may. I shan't be gone long. You come too. Amen. As we come to the time in our service for prayer, the choir leads us in our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Holy and gracious God, we give you thanks for the gifts of life, for the gift of your Son, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lead us through the trials, the suffering and sorrow, the challenges and struggles, the tired times and the dark places. Be with those who weep or cannot sleep, who have no peace. Remind us of our call to care for those around us and to care for this earth. Lead us with grace, with love, with peace. Fill us with hope, with patience, with stamina. Transform us to grow, to understand, to see. Transform us 
that we may boldly accept the call to your feast and extend the invitation to all that we meet. Transform us that we can be made whole, and in wholeness may we be the hands and the heart of Christ. Amen. Now, with the confidence of the children of God, we pray as Christ taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Marsh Chapel. We are delighted you are with us today, whether here in the nave at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, listening live at 90.9 WBUR National Public Radio, or later via the podcast at www.bu.edu slash chapel, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are a beacon of responsible Christian liberalism in the heart of Boston, a heart in the heart of the city, and a service in the service of the city. Wherever you are in life and however you choose to lead your life of faith, we are here to help. We're glad you are with us for worship, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, and to devote the will to the purposes of God. Welcome. We are a diverse community and know you can find a friend here. If you're in the nave, I encourage you to take a moment to add your name to the red pad at the center aisle, pass it to your neighbor, and learn each other's names today. Similarly, if you listen from afar, email us at chapel at bu.edu and let us know who you are and let us connect with you. It is the midst of the semester, and there is much going on in and around Marsh Chapel, so please bear with me for several, but I hope are brief, announcements. The first, new members will be received into the chapter community next week. If you wish to make an outward affirmation of your inward commitment to this community, please be in touch with the dean. 
The second, please turn to your bulletin if you have it in front of you. The Dean's Choice is a panel discussion entitled Faith in Action, Poverty and the Racialization of Economy on Thursday, October 19th at 6.30 p.m. in the George Sherman Union. The Poverty Consortium invites you to Faith in Action, a panel featuring Drs. Pamela Leitze, Peter Paris, Nimi Wariboko, and Cornell West. For those who cannot attend, a live stream of the event is available and light hors d'oeuvres and the opportunity for conversation will follow the event. It is sponsored by the Boston University School of Theology, the Association of Black Seminarians at BU, and the Poverty Consortium. All are welcome and questions can be directed to Dr. Diana Swancutt at swancutt at bu.edu. At 2 p.m., the chapel is pleased to extend an invitation to the baptism of Daniel Maddox Hall, son of Elizabeth Fomby Hall, the chapel's former director of hospitality, and her husband, Brian Hall. We invite you to greet the family after worship today and stay for the baptism if you're able. There are boxed lunches available in the narthex today for folks enjoying BU Family and Friends Weekend. And the children's education program today is beginning a multi-week study of the Hebrew Bible figure of Joseph, which will continue through to Advent. All children in the community are warmly invited to join Mr. Nicholas Rodriguez and Ms. Phoebe Aller during the final hymn for a discussion about getting along with siblings. Uh, now, Brother Larry Whitney, the, community cha- the university chaplain for community life, brings a special announcement. Good morning. It is a rich blessing to be among you and to bear a word of welcome and a word of invitation this morning. Over the past year, I've been working with colleagues at BU Today, the university's in-house media outlet, to develop a virtual tour of Marsh Chapel. This arose out of a live tour that I give on occasion right here in this space. And I'm very pleased to announce that that interactive feature went live this past week. And I hope that members of our congregation here uh, in our midst and those listening from afar will take the opportunity to visit uh, our website, bu.edu slash chapel, and to click on the link Discovering Marsh Chapel, which will gain you access to that interactive tour. The goal of the tour is to uh, help you to understand how the vision, mission, and history of Boston University as a whole is embodied in the walls and windows of this space, Uh, and, and that the mission of Marsh Chapel is an ongoing expression of that. Especially for those of you who are here, it's an opportunity to deepen your understanding of the space in which you sit, of who it is that's in these windows, and who has sat in the pews you were sitting in before. For those who are not regularly among us in our radio and live stream and podcast congregation, it's an opportunity to become familiar with the space that the voices that you so regularly hear inhabit. Again, the virtual tour is available at bu.edu slash chapel and click on the image and link Discovering Marsh Chapel. And finally, Dr. Scott Ellen Jarrett, our director of music, has a special word about music at Marsh Chapel this week. This is really long announcement time, but Soren, it's really perfect. Thank you very much for the moment. Um, Very happy to invite you this weekend, uh, Friday night, to our first concert. It's Handel's Judas Maccabeus, extraordinary oratorio. So beautiful, so much wonderful music in it, and the hero of the story is Judas Maccabeus, sung by tenor Ethan Dupuy. Wave your hand, Ethan. Okay. (laughs) And we'll also introduce uh, newest members of our Choral Scholar staff, 
uh, also in this performance, singing a lot of the other roles and arias. Um, hope you'll come. All of our concerts this year are free for all, and those are that's made possible by the generosity of many of you and the Friends of, our, Friends of Music at Marsh Chapel members. If you are a member of Friends at Music at Marsh Chapel, you can email us and get a reserved seat. But you have to be a member of Friends of Music at Marsh Chapel, so do that. And um, finally, I want to welcome the members of the Thurman Choir who are making their debut with us this morning. If you're in the Thurman Choir, would you please stand? Welcome. Thank you very much, you guys. If you'd like to be a member of the Thurman Choir, you can join at any time by emailing us at musicmar at bu.edu. Thanks for the time, Soren. Thanks, Scott. For a list of all other announcements, please visit the chapel website at bu.edu slash chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. And now as the ushers wait upon those in the nave, I encourage you to remember it is both a joy and a discipline to be a giver.
God of blessings, you created us in your image so that we may do your will on earth. Help us to emulate your Son, Jesus Christ, as we give what we are able to serve your glorious purpose. Accept these gifts and the offering of our spirits in your noble service. Amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, creator, redeemer, and sustainer be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. 